0: Well, it's the second day of Christmas, and you can say your true love gave to you two turtle doves on the second day of Christmas, just as the song The 12 Days of Christmas goes. However, maybe instead of getting two turtle doves, maybe your true love could give you something better. Instead of two turtle doves, why don't they give you two ravens' losses? You're listening to the What the Elf Was That podcast an iconoclastic look at the latest Cleveland Browns news. The What the Elf Was That podcast is part of the Fanatical Elves Podcast Network, a part of the Fans First Sports Network. Here's your host, Joel Cade. Welcome back to another edition of What the Elf Was That, the day after Christmas edition, the second day of Christmas, where the traditional gift on the second day of Christmas is two turtle doves signifying friendship. I would prefer to have two Ravens losses reminding just everyone of just how much I hate the Ravens. Let me see if I can find it. Do I still have it? Just how much I hate the Ravens, right? I'm actually a Ravens fan. Go to hell. That's right, Ravens fans. That's where you can go. I digress. The playoffs are in reach. I've been saying 10 and you're in, and there's an incredibly convoluted system in place or countdown. You can find this on Twitter, an absolutely convoluted situation that would actually result in the Browns not making the playoffs, but it's actually pretty simple for the Browns to make the playoffs. Go into Thursday night and beat the Jets. Period. You win and you're in. Now they're 10 and five. And I keep saying 10 and you're in. And I still think they'd be in whether they lost the next two games or not. However, just go in there Thursday night and beat the Jets. And it's over, right? Go in, beat the Jets, and it's over. So I feel obligated because these are some things that people are talking about on Twitter that I feel like I have to talk about certain things on Twitter. And then I'm going to get to what I want to talk about, which is a far more Christmassy and festive situation. But let's get the, 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 the first things first out of the way. For all you people out there who want to fire Kevin Stefanski, <laughs> <laughs> all right, firing Kevin Stefanski. There you go. Uh, two, Joe Flacco mania. You know, I, I, I love the idea that Joe Flacco is doing what he's doing. And I love that he's doing what he's doing. I still have a hard time embracing Joe Flacco, but Hey, you know what? It's Christmas. Let's just roll with what we got. If Joe Flacco is out there throwing out W's, let's just, let's, let's pick it up and let's roll with it. Right. If Joe Flacco is, is connecting with his receivers, and obviously he's connecting with Amari Cooper as he had just broke the Browns' single game record for the most yards received in one game, beating out who? Josh Gordon. And I'm, I'm venturing to say that Amari Cooper was actually sober when he caught all those yards, unlike Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon's out there somewhere probably... Well, let's just leave it at that. So Amari Cooper goes out with an incredible performance. And, and you know, I've always said the Browns, Browns opponents have one of two things they can do. They can double Cooper or they can double Njoku. If you double Cooper, Njoku's going to beat you. If you double Njoku, Amari Cooper is going to come out and have the best game in a Browns uniform of all time. It just is what it is, and Flacco seems to be smart enough and able and capable enough to hit those receivers when they're open. He's also trusting Amari Cooper, and that's, I think is an important thing to keep in mind. He's willing to go out there and just throw the ball up there and say, okay, go get it. You can go get it. Go get it. And so when you have trust like that and your quarterback is willing to throw the ball up there, you're going to see games like we saw last week. Now, I'm guessing the Jets – are now going to double Amari Cooper. Which means David Njoku is probably going to have a breakout night on Thursday night. At least that's what I'm hoping for, because what you don't want is this to go to the Browns' head and Flacco to say, oh, I can just hit Cooper all day long. Then he's thrown into double coverage. You want to avoid that. Just take the person that's open, throw the ball to them, and let them make a play. And, and Joe Flacco has been around long enough to know that, hey, Just hit the guy that's open, and let's get positive yards. Uh, Flacco Mania. I think we're even talking about Flacco Mania. I think I'm talking about Mario Cooper more than Joe Flacco. Flacco Mania. Let me just make sure we put this just out here. There is a reason why Joe Flacco was at home, and Deshaun Watson's getting paid what he's paid. Deshaun Watson is the quarterback, period. So I wouldn't get too wrapped up into Flacco Mania. He's good right now. Let's just ride it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it for the rest of your life. Hey, remember when that guy, Joe Flacco, came off the bench and won us the Super Bowl? Do you? Do you? You know, just like the water boy, right? Yeah, Joe Flacco came in and did something. Let's enjoy it for now, but just know next season, if Flacco's on the team or not, Deshaun Watson's the quarterback. Would I love Deshaun Watson to learn some stuff from Joe Flacco? Absolutely. Flacco seems to be a cerebral player. He knows where to go to the ball, when to go to the ball, why to go with the person to the ball. Deshaun Watson doesn't really seem to have that problem, though, in case you haven't watched this season. Deshaun Watson, when healthy and playing, has pretty much been lights out. I mean, he had a perfect passer rating, I believe, against the Titans. Uh, Or it was the other game that he just, like, went off. There's two games where he just, like, went off and had a a terrific game. No interceptions, three, four touchdown passes, 300 yards. Deshaun Watson's your quarterback. Long-term, period. But Joe Flacco's fun. He may not be Mr. Right, but he's Mr. Right now. So let's just enjoy being with Mr. Right now. But to think that Flacco is going to be the long-term answer, that that's probably not it. I mean, I would love to see him on the team next year as a backup. Um, if you as the dog pound can handle that situation, I don't know if you can or not. But if you can, that'd be tremendous. Oh, boys, ladies and gentlemen, got some good. I'm going to have some referee talk today. Well, now we've got some of these preliminaries out of the way. I want to talk about the Christmas gift that was given to me a week or a few day a day before Christmas on Christmas Eve. How Santa Claus looked down on Joel and smiled and gave him the game. Just gave me the game I've always won. I knew I was a good boy this year. And like Santa Claus was like looking at me like, oh, that Joel, he's been such a good boy. I'm going to give him exactly what he wants. And he gave it to me. Santa Claus gave me exactly what I wanted. You know what that is? A game without kickers. It was amazing. The Browns played it a game without kickers. And football was so much better and so much more fun when there was not a kicker involved. But before I get into the glories of a game without kickers, let's talk about why I, again, always tell you that kickers are not football players. They're not football players. They shouldn't be doing things that football players do. They shouldn't get football player awards because they're not football players. You could be the Dallas Cowboys and get yourself a retread soccer player, and he could become an all-pro kicker. Just look at the Dallas Cowboys' care. Three years ago, he's kicking soccer balls. Now he's kicking footballs. And he's like the next best thing since sliced bread down there in Dallas. The Browns just need to get themselves another soccer player and just move on. But they need to admit something for a second. And I'm going to spend some time on this. They need to just admit that football players are not, or kickers are not football players. Period. So let's just start with Dustin Hopkins. Okay. Dustin Hopkins kicking the ball like nobody's business, right? You're about to break Jim Brown's single-season kicking record until what happened? And you guys know what happened. They kicked the ball down the field. And I am so angry at the Browns' special teams. I mean, I've been saying this all year. Why are you not just kicking the ball in the end zone and taking it on the 25, but instead you're kicking three-four yards short, thinking you're going to come down there and make a tackle, and eventually at some point you're going to get burnt. I've been saying this. You're going to get burnt, Playing like that. And lo and behold, they got burnt not once, but twice, right? The first time they got burnt, I don't even know who the guy is, took the ball, ran it back for a touchdown. In the process, Dustin Hopkins does what a kicker should never be in position to have to do, which is he has to play football because football players or kickers are not football players. They should not be doing what football players do. And then when he ran out there in an attempt, to run and tackle somebody he injured himself trying to be a football player. Don't pretend you're a football player because you're not a football player, and the minute your coverage team can't cover the kickoff because you kicked it short and you let them turn it back, you get your kicker hurt. You need your kicker to kick, not to make tackles. Stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Put the ball in the end zone and let it go. Run it out to the 25. There's less of a chance, statistically, believe this or not, statistically, the team has a worse chance of scoring points on you if they start on the 25 than if they start on the 20. And I know that's completely counterintuitive. Okay. You would think, okay, they're five yards closer to the opponent to their end zone, right? They have a better chance of getting the end. Zone. It statistically doesn't work out that way. Teams score less when they start on the 25 than they do if they start on the 20. It's bizarre. It's absolutely one of those anomalies of statistics, but it's true, okay? Just kick the ball in the end zone. Put it on the 25, okay? Let them go at it. Kickers are not a necessary force in this game. You do not have to have kickers in the game of football, and Sunday's game proved it. Now, I said they got burnt twice. That's the first time they got burnt. They gave up a long touchdown run, and your kicker got hurt in the process. So, what do you do now? Well, you don't have a place kicker, which, by the way, how does Corey Behorquez not know how to kick field goals? Okay. You don't need to carry a backup kicker because your backup kicker should be your punter. Your punter should be good, well, good enough to kick place kicking, to kick off and put the ball in the end zone. And to kick, like, short-range field goals if necessary. Now, you're not going to ask your punter to come in and kick a 50-yard field goal. Maybe even a 45. Maybe even a 40. But they should be able to make them inside 40 yards. That should be a prerequisite of being a punter. Is that you have to be the backup kicker. And your backup kicker should be your backup punter. That's just... Like, when I have my job, i got to be able to do multiple jobs. You can't cross-train people. You don't have to do it every day. You Just every practice, you come in there, you punt 5, 10 balls, you practice maybe one or two reps. You don't need all the reps that the punter gets, and the punter doesn't need all the reps the kickers get, but just practice it every day, place kicking every day. It's ridiculous. And how do you not have a backup holder? Come on, man. That should be going on, too. I'm digressing. Okay, so Corey Bohorquez goes out there and does a squib kick. I don't know why he just doesn't. Why did the Browns learn this lesson? Just kick the ball into the end zone. No, does a squib kick, so the Texans are returning it, and guess what happens? Corey Bohorquez, who is not a football player, he's a kicker, not a football player, runs up there and tries to make a tackle, and what happens to him? He hurts his quad. He hurts his leg attempting to be a football player when he is not a football player. So now, because the Browns, who could have easily just kicked the ball into the end zone and avoided this entire situation, have decided, hey, let's go out there and squid kick it or kick it short and let our coverage team go out there and pin them back behind the 25, even though that proves to be a better and more advantageous system for your off for the opponent's offense to score on you, right? Why don't we just sit there and, like, I'm just, I'm going off. But Horquez goes down there and hurts himself. So then, then what I have always wanted to watch has occurred. We now have a game without kickers. And I will tell you about this game without kickers because I am super jacked about this after the commercial break. So hang on because I'm about to like lose it. I'm about to like talk about the greatest thing I've ever seen in football. All right, hang on. All right ladies and gentlemen, we're back and I am excited to get to this section of the of the podcast. A game without kickers. It was tremendous because what kickers are, kickers are basically your your like safety net, okay? That's what it is. It's like okay, if you're getting on an airplane and you're going to jump out of an airplane, you got a parachute, right? Well, in case the first parachute doesn't work, you have a backup parachute in the parachute that pack that you've put on. So you have this safety net. So, you know, okay. If my first parachute doesn't work out, the second one will pop open and, and we'll be okay. Kickers are the safety net. They're the cop out. They're the, the, I give up. I'm a wimp. I'm not a, I'm not serious about this situation for football, period. You can, you can play the entire game without kickers and like, Sunday, we did it, right? Just get some backup dude who squid kicks the ball. Like, by the way, after Corey Bohorquez went down, the Browns got somebody. I don't even know who it was to run up there and squib kick the ball down the field. And you know what? He did just as well of a job as Corey Bajorquez did. So why not just have a regular player out there, squib kick the ball down the field, and run and make a tackle? Just have a DB go out there, squib kick the ball down the field. Then you've got another DB on the field who can run, tackle, and hit and actually play coverage. If that's what you're going to do, just go all in with it. Don't don't half rear end this crap by putting some guy in there who can't, who's not a football player. And try to ask him to be a football player. Just get a football player and teach him to kick. It's not that hard. Kick the ball down the field on a squib kick and have him play defense. That's how you fix it. Anyway, back to the glorious moment of a game with no kickers. All right. So as soon as this happens, right, the Browns now have no punter and they have no field goal kicker. So they get down into the red zone and they know we can't kick it at, and we can't kick the ball at the field goal. We can't do that. So now the whole play calling situation changes. So instead of saying we're going to three and we're going to have this safety net where we can punt. Now it's, Oh crap. I have to get 10 yards. I have to, your back is against the wall. And if you has ever read Sun Tzu, one of his, one of his uh, maxims of war is do not pin your opponent up against the wall. Allow them to have an escape route because once if, if your opponent has an escape route, that escape route is there. Your opponent knows it's in their mind, and they will quit faster. They will not fight as hard. They will be lackadaisical at times because they know they can escape. Now, if you close off that escape route, Sun Tzu, this is a terrible thing to do because they will fight harder. They will work harder. They will put more effort into the situation. They will do everything they have to because they have nothing. They're, it is that or die, right? And this is what we got to see because the Browns are now calling plays different. They know if they don't get 10 yards, they are screwed, right? So now you're you're playing a more exciting brand of football. You're playing a more intense brand of football. You're playing a game of football that is charged because you know we are screwed if we have to give the ball over on our own 30. So they're taking more chances. They're doing riskier stuff. The game is more exciting. The game is intense because they know they're they're screwed, and the and the Texans know the Browns are screwed if they can get four and out. Right, they know they've got the ball in in field goal range, and they have a kicker. Right, so it becomes a much more intense and much more exciting game. Browns get down there into the end zone, and they they play this more intense style of football, and they score a touchdown. Well, they can't kick an extra point. They're going for two, baby, which is much more exciting to watch than somebody like kicking the ball through a, a freaking uprights into a net. Screw that crap. Just put the team out there, right? You want to see offensive scoring, all right? Put an offense out there. Put their back against the wall, and then tell the defense if they can prevent them from getting the first down, their team will have the ball in opponent's territory. Scores, Scoring will go through the roof. The excitement will go through the roof. Just the style of play will be much more of a reckless abandon and much more exciting and interesting and fascinating because play callers will start creating new plays saying, if we don't get this, we're screwed and defenses will take more chances because the, you know, the reward is higher for the chances. You got a third and 10, right? And you know, okay, if you get to stop here, they're going to punt. What are you going to do? You're going to pull your people back. You're going to protect the line, and you're going to force them to punt. Now, let's say third and 10, you know that you're going to face fourth down. All of a sudden, you're playing your normal defense, right? You're blitzing. You're putting pressure on. Your defensive backs are going to take more chances because to them, they know there's a fourth down play coming. Then you get on fourth down, right? Fourth down, it's exciting. It's all on, baby. You're going to pressure more. You can play. You're going to do what you do well more. You're not going to just sit back and guard the line, why would you do that? Because if you sit back and guard the line, you're going to get the ball wherever the ball's in. But if you attack and you play hard, you know that you're going to have a chance to get the ball in opponent's territory. That's going to lead to you possibly scoring. It is a much more intense, exciting, and fun game. And if the NFL would seriously just consider getting rid of the non-football players that are on their team and going with a kickless game, I tell you the NFL will be that much more exciting and that much more fun to watch because teams are starting to start getting embarrassed and things will change pretty quickly. All right. Well, let's, let's move on to, I'm not going to go to a depressing mode, but we got to get off these, this beautiful Christmas present Santa Claus. Thank you for the Christmas present of getting to watch football without kickers. It was amazing. It was phenomenal. I would love to watch it again. I think the whole NFL should just get rid of kickers and we would have tremendously exciting games to watch. You know, right? it would just be amazing to watch it go down. Anyway, let's talk about something less interesting, but interesting nonetheless. nonetheless. <clears throat> Dean Blandino. All right, I lost my article. No, Dean, there it is. Dean Blandino went on to the Awful announcing podcast. All right. And brought up a subject that I have been talking about that is near and dear to my heart for a long time. By the way, this was dated December 15th. So I'm clearly 11 days late to the game. And apparently I didn't see this when it came out, but I saw it. But now we're going to have to talk about this. So those of you who don't know, Dean Blandino is the former vice president of officiating for the NFL from 2013 to 2017. So he basically was in charge of all the officials. Who are the officials? What do they do? What point of emphasis is there going to be? You know, how the officials are going to handle everything. He was in charge of the officials for the NFL. He was on the awful announcing podcast where they asked him a few questions that we all ask about, but nobody's really asked them about, which is, referees, officials, and officials potentially throwing games or being paid to throw games. So I believe the uh, official question, if I can find the article here, the official question was um, well, I don't know what the question is, but let me give you the quote. Okay, so recently commented on whether legalized sports gambling has affected the jobs of officials and he states and he says in the podcast that you can't tell for now if it actually has affected their jobs, but the NFL has strict protocols in place for officials, even before they're hired and NFL security representatives goes door to door in their neighborhood to talk to their neighbors. And they still do this to this day. So if you're going to get hired as an official in the NFL, somebody's going to go door to door around your neighborhood and ask about you. They're going to look into who you hang out with. They're going to look at your bank accounts. They're going to look at everything going on. To quote Blandino, he says, they'd look at all your business associations. they look for conflicts of interest, all of that, bank accounts, everything. And then there's checks during the season. And so they'll look at if a game official has $10 in their bank account on Friday, then they work a game, and now there's $100,000. That's a red flag, right? So you're checking those things. You're monitoring the betting lines and how calls impact those lines, and are there officials – individual officials that are involved in more of those calls than not. It's a massive, massive undertaking because what the league doesn't want and what we never wanted was a situation like what happened with the NBA. Now you guys may remember Tim Donahue uh, took money through games, bet on games that he was officiated and made calls that affected the, the, uh, the betting line, the, the points, the over-unders and the, the spread, if you will. Then asked, has an NFL official ever been approached by somebody to make calls that would impact the score, stat line, or anything like that in a game? And here's the quote. We've had situations where people were approached, meaning officials were approached. We've always told our game officials that that because they're in hotels, they're traveling around during the season, we didn't want them wearing NFL-branded gear. We didn't want them to be inconspicuous because someone sees them and uh, probably means he does want them to be inconspicuous. Probably just a, a misquote right there. This is because someone sees them and says, oh, those are the NFL officials. And then you never know. You don't know if you're going to come. You don't know who you're going to come across. And they know that they're supposed to go to NFL security if something like that happens. And that has happened in the past. Okay, let's just stop there for a second. So what we've got on board here is a really fascinating situation. Dean Blandino comes out and says, hey, NFL officials have been approached in the past. Um, they're supposed to go to NFL security if such a situation happens. We tell them not to wear NFL gear. We want them to basically be inconspicuous. They want them to just be regular average everyday Joes because you don't know who's going to see them. And you don't know who you're going to come across. And you don't know what's going to happen. That apparently is the policy. I mean, I'm guessing, that I man. this is what they were being told by the president of, of vice president of NFL officiating from 23, 2013, and 2017, that this is the protocol. So let's just examine for a second, how much this actually makes sense. Just walk ourselves through the protocol. And then we'll talk about what may be happening behind the scenes here. So apparently I'm an NFL official, right? I show up at a hotel and somebody walks up to me and says, hey, we'll give you money if you do this, this, and this to affect the outcome of the game. Now, at that point, the protocol is that I'm supposed to report that to NFL security. Just think about that for a second. NFL officials are supposed to self-report if they're offered money to affect the outcome of a game. Now, the NFL also claims that they're checking bank accounts. So if I have a bank account with $10 in it and then after the football game, I got a bank account of $100,000 in it, then clearly that's a red flag. Okay, if this isn't adding up to you, okay, it, it shouldn't be adding up to you. And that apparently is it. And the NFL is doing checks. They're checking your associates, blah, 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 blah. But that apparently is the protocol for how officials handle being asked to bribe somebody. Now, let's just say for a second. I'm a dude. I'm an upright dude. I'm getting paid pretty good money to officiate NFL games. Somebody comes up to me and say, Hey, I'll give you 100 grand if you call two or three penalties, uh, affect the outcome of the game. Don't let this team score. We need the point spread to be this, this, and that. And I say, oh, You know what? Why not? I'll take your uh, 200 grand. Do you think I'm stupid enough, one, to go report to the NFL I'm doing that? Hey, NFL, I just took money to affect the outcome of a game. Now, other than that, the NFL has. Absolutely no way to find out if this is going on. Unless the official reports it, there's no no way they have any idea it's going on. And two, if I took somebody's money, do you think I'm stupid enough to put it in a bank account that the NFL is monitoring? I mean, have they not heard of private Swiss bank accounts? If you're getting that much money, you can set something up in Switzerland and set yourself up a bank account. It's not that hard. I could probably do it. But, you know, I'd have to look into it, but it can be done. Just go to Switzerland, set up a bank account. Wire money over to it. Come on, man. So the whole of the NFL's monitoring, from what I can tell, is the official self-reports, and if the official has more money than what they have before, or if there's some shady business, or if the NFL's investigating and find out this person's hanging out with this person, talking to that person, blah, 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 as if burner phones weren't a thing, They could monitor my phone all day long, but if I got a burner phone that you have no idea what's going on, then, you know, hey, you're not going to figure it out. So the whole of the statement I'm hearing from Dean Blandino as to what happens is that the NFL officials are supposed to self-report and their bank accounts are being monitored and their friends are being monitored as if there's no way you can get around this. Just none, right? I mean, there's, there's no way that the NFL hasn't figured this out. My God, ladies and gentlemen, if this isn't one of the dumbest things I've ever seen, like, am I going to self-report that I'm making money on the the take? And if I don't self-report it, how are you going to know it? The NFL right now has absolutely no idea what's going on with their officials. If it's a matter of self-reporting, you could have every single official on the take right now, and the NFL would have no clue that it's going on. This is awful. This is worse than worse. This is one of the most inane, inane, inept, dumb things I've ever seen. Like, it is ineptitude to its finest. But this is where the NFL does things, right? Things don't become an issue until it's a PR issue. And now that it's a PR issue, this is the first thing we've heard, right? You have <clears> – <throat> let's let's walk through some fan frustration with NFL officiating, Right it really kind of started with the replacement officials, right? The NFL officials wanted to get paid more. The NFL said, no, we're not going to pay you more. So they had replacement officials come out. Fans really got mad at the replacement officials. And then the regular officials came back. And then it's all pretty bad. Of course, it was bad before, but it's gotten a lot worse in the last two or three years. And as an objective NFL fan, of course, I'm not an objective NFL fan. I thought that, This officiating crap's been going on for a long time. But as an objective NFL fan, you have to admit, like the officiating has gotten worse in the last two or three seasons, which has also coincided with the strike, the refusal to pay more, the legalization of gambling. So there's motive. There's motive to be on the take. There's opportunity to be on the take because the opportunity is, if I don't report this myself, nobody's going to know. So if I'm taking money on the side and I don't tell somebody, how are they going to find out? Am I that stupid to, like, put it in a bank account where somebody can follow it? Am I that stupid to use my own regular phone instead of a burner phone? Come on, man. So people are complaining that NFL games are rigged. What does the NFL do, right? The NFL comes out with all in one week. It was one toward the end of last season. Every major media outlet came out with a joke about how stupid people are thinking that the NFL is rigging games. The NFL may not be rigging games. It may be the officials doing it on their own, which is what I'm going to talk about in a little bit. Okay. So they come out with, you know, this is a joke. The whole Jaguars thing with uh, the script writing people during uh, the schedule release that people are, there's still commercials out there where the NFL is making fun of people who think that the games are rigged, that there's a script, that there's this, which is what the NFL has done is said, okay, here's a concern. We're not going to address the concern. We're going to alleviate the concern by taking an extreme example, which nobody's saying the NFL games are scripted. It's an extreme example. You push the logic to the extreme, and then you make fun of the extreme to the point where anybody would say the normal logical thing, like, "Hey, the NFLs are uh, the NFL officials are uh, this isn't right. Something's going on." And now you found a way to make fun of that person because you attribute the the extreme position to that person and then you make fun of them and you make fun of them and you laugh at them and you joke at them. It's like people who think the aliens are real. Right? These people have been so ridiculed in the media that nobody intelligent can get up and say, I think the aliens are real because you just get laughed at, even though it's probably a legitimately logical thing to say is, I believe in aliens because there is evidence for extraterrestrials. Okay? But if you come out and you say that, people are going to make fun of you and think you're a quack. You're probably thinking I'm a quack just for bringing this up, right? But that's what the NFL is doing to people who think that the their, the NFL games may not be on the up and up. Let's take an extreme position, make fun of it, and then anybody that says that the officials got something going on, they're going to attribute that extreme position to that person and then laugh at them and ostracize them and make them sound like they're like the crazy people from, from the planet Mars. That's the current NFL strategy this i think may give us round two of the strategy because I, the the complaint the attempt to make fun of and ridicule people hasn't worked okay you still see people complaining about officials you still see the the videos on youtube you still see games games going on where people aren't being called for holding you have players now coming out saying something's not right because there's no holding calls being done. And it's not just the Browns. It's, it's the Steelers. And when you get the Steelers out there saying that stuff, that's a big brand moneymaker for the NFL. Now you're going to to do something to address it. And I think this is what the NFL is doing to address it. We're going to send out this goon to come out and make some comments. Now, This strategy was once employed when it came to the NFL gambling policy. So you might want to go back, listen to some previous episodes of what the elf was that we talked about the gambling policy. The NFL gambling policy was the most convoluted thing I've ever heard. And they started suspending people indefinitely over it. And then the NFL had some goon come out on good morning football and say, hey, this gambling policy is completely and totally understandable. If you're a player with lots of money, you can bet on sports as long as you don't bet on sports while you're at work. If you're an NFL employee who's not a player, you can't gamble at all, period. And we're supposed to pretend that that's not confusing, right? But they come out and said, oh, this isn't confusing at all. This is pretty simple, blah, blah, blah. Six months later, okay, back in early September, the same NFL goon came back, went on NFL NFL Good Morning Football, and said, well, we've clarified the gambling process because it was confusing before, even though six months earlier they told us it wasn't confusing. Now it is confusing. So they've retracted the confusion part, and they said, well, here's our new policy. Our new policy is A, B, C, D, E, F. So six months later, because people are still complaining about the NFL gambling policy, they Fix it and then come out and admit that it was confused, even though six months earlier they told you it wasn't confusing. This is what the NFL is doing now. First, we're going to make fun of everybody who thinks NFL games are rigged. But since that didn't solve the problem and people are still complaining about it, we're going to send out our goon, Dean Blandino, to come out and say, hey, look, we've got a process in place to check the officials. The officials have to self-report. We check to monitor this. We monitor that. We check their friends. We check their business associates. We monitor the situation. Therefore, you should all just relax because we've got this under control. And when it doesn't stop, they've already set up the boogeyman, right? They've already sent out Dean Blandino to blame the officials okay that the nfl does their part to check out officials and it's pretty extensive and it's pretty thorough and i don't think it's thorough or extensive at all i think they're just like winging it and they have no idea just how bad this is and they've let it get out of control and i'm thinking they now know it's out of control and they now need to start setting up who are we going to blame and this is what dean blandino is doing saying hey it's not us it's not the nfl we've done our bit we've done our bit for king and kingdom we've that we've Looked into everybody, into everything. But if somebody's doing this, it's because the official didn't report. The official didn't follow NFL policy. The policy's fine. Now, when it comes out that, like, some crap happens, the NFL's going to be like, well, our policy and and the way we investigated this, this was really out of date, and we need to update this and fix this and blah, blah, blah. But it really was the official. The official should have done this. What we're looking at, ladies and gentlemen, is a situation where there is no oversight, pretty much. I mean, if, if your job is to self-report, there's no oversight. If your job is to say, hey, I've been approached, um, this is what's going on, nobody cares. Nope. Nobody's following up. Nobody's. There's not a security guard with the officials whose job is to monitor that situation. No, the officials are just supposed to turn themselves in. This situation is so not regulated, not controlled, not dealt with that the NFLs could be NFL officials would be taking money hands and fists and the NFL would never know about it. And so now they're setting it up saying, we're doing our part, and if it's not us, it's going to be the officials. And when this breaks, and I'm telling you for years I've been saying – It will come out that the NFL officials are taking money. The NFL is going to say our policy, this is what we do, but we now need to update our policy. We need to get rid of all these bad officials. They're all bad people. It's all them. Even though there's been reports that owners are paying off officials, the NFL will not and cannot and will not ever say, we we dropped the ball on this. When clearly, when the idea is that you have to self-report that you're getting offered money, That is dropping the ball a thousand times over. All right, everybody, I'm going to leave that there. But I am going to say Merry Christmas, Merry second day of Christmas. And instead of two turtle doves, what I really want, more than anything, more than turtle doves, more than friendship, what I really want are two Ravens losses. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to the What the Elf Was That podcast. Please like, subscribe, and tell all your friends to give a listen. You can follow host Joel Cade on Twitter at The Left Guard.